Good evening and welcome to Horror. I'm Lee. I'm Chris. I'm Adam. I'm Jennifer. Uh, and we are here to discuss Suspiria, as promised last week. Uh, but before we dive into that, and any of us get a little bit upset and possibly end up with an aneurysm, Chris, have you watched anything between now and last week? Oh, I have. This week I've watched the perfect film. I've watched the remake of Suspiria. Ooh. It left me with some good dreams, the end. So I'm assuming from what you both just said, neither of you have seen it or know much about it. Aside no, from I'm... that it's based on the same story. I literally yeah. started watching it one night, got about 10 minutes in, and then I was like, how long is this? And then realised it was two hours and this was like two in the morning. I was like, yeah, that ain't fucking happening. So. <laughs> it, it's oh, it's two well yeah two hours I must admit it felt like a bit longer and it wasn't because it was bad because it was bad but it was because I spread it out over uh, there's two or three days but um it is quite a lot of there's a lot of dance in it a bit like Good. Black Swan because that's and what I missed that, there's not right well dance. yeah so so it was very interesting to watch this afterwards and hmm. see so I got so I really did like the remake yeah um, it. I, won't, I don't know, should I say too much now about them both? No, I reckon save it yeah. for once we've talked about okay. the original and then so, add your... Yeah. So I've got to say, um, there's it kicks off massively at the end. Like, <laughs> I was not expecting quite the, the level that it went to. Um, and, and it left me feeling a bit, oh, that's not quite what I wanted to happen. And then the very end for me, wrapped it up better and I felt okay. satisfied. So you've no. got to kind of hold on till, till then. I mean, you know, you might disagree. You might say you prefer the, the bit where it goes crazy and that's yeah. fine. Uh, I was going to say that Adam from uh, Not For Everybody watched it and he came back and Not For Everybody? I keep calling them that. Not For Everyone. Yeah. Um, he came back and said... If you've seen the original, just watch the last half hour because you don't need to watch the rest because it's like oh, a yeah. very long time to go nowhere. It's a fair point. I did enjoy it. I, it's it. Yeah, I was quite happy watching it, but it's not. Um, it's not the most exciting, you could say. But I just it just played nicely. Um, you know, I enjoyed the music. I enjoyed the atmosphere. I liked the characters. Yeah, it was it was good, but it was. It could be condensed, mm, I yeah. would say. Um, but yeah, you definitely do have to hold on till the end or just watch the last half an hour. Music the same people? Is it Goblin or not? No, it's in fact, I recognised it and that's unusual for me. It's um, Tom or Thom York. Oh, yeah. That's spelt T H O M, but I'm assuming yeah. you say it Tom. I think it's Tom. Yeah. yeah. Is that Tom. the cool spelling? Any well, cool uh, people spell their name like yeah. that? But, I get the impression it was probably just another way that he could be awkward. Yeah. Why did it, yeah? So where's he from? Is he is American? He's from, is he? he's from Oxford, British. I think. Oh, is he? Yeah, yeah Radiohead or English. All oh, right, I didn't realise that. Yeah. Yeah, so, I, mean, I was never that into Radiohead, but obviously I'm not really of them. I've heard some of their Generally, quite like the sound. Um, and yeah, I thought what he did mostly fit well. Um, Sometimes it's slightly jarring. I don't know if I would have always had the singing at every point that it was chosen to be. Obviously, he's a very good singer, but for me, sometimes I prefer to have an instrumental. But, but so, yeah. is that because 
the original, and obviously I don't want to say too much yet, but it's jarring in the original. Yeah. Not being a fan of Radiohead, Chris, they are the audio equivalent of Requiem for a Dream, so you should be <laughs> fucking all over that. Really. Well, it's, it's probably true. I just, I just about sort of missed them. In, I don't know why. I, like Everybody seemed to be listening to them, and I think at that point I was just too much into thrash metal, and they were just weren't quite cool enough. You know, <laughs> yeah, they were just a little bit too popular and a bit too yeah. nice in parts. So I, I just didn't quite. I think the key point was is that our good friend Dave Mann did say, "I don't know why people reckon they're the most depressing band in the world. They don't even sing about death and corpses and that." <laughs> so, while you were listening to thrash metal, it probably wasn't what you were after. No. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, oh, okay. so yeah, you did a good job. Um, so what overall, I thought the production was fantastic in in the remake. Um, what and I, I really like. I do like. I will say that definitely. Yeah. Um, and it turned out as well the uh, the main character from the original nineteen seventy seven, Jess. No, not Jess. Yeah, Jessica Harper. Jessica Harper, who played Susie, is in the remake. Yes. As somebody else not as Susie yeah I heard she had a cameo in it mm. so so that's quite nice yeah cool. and Tilda Swinton's just fucking brilliant anyway so mm. yeah excellent well done um Adam have you caught up with anything in the last week the one thing I can count apart from me and Claire have been re-watching uh Dr. Terrible's House of Horrible yes uh, <laughs> because that was truly diabolical <laughs> um and uh, yeah, so we've just been rewatching, especially because now Claire's been watching horror films. She gets yes, a lot more of the stuff. Plus, Claire was really into, has really got into the anthology format. So obviously, mm-hmm. the, the first one that's on the disc is the is the one where they do an anthology. Yeah, of episodes. Mm-hmm. It's the three different stories, and it's yeah, just spot on. Um, and yeah, always always highly recommended to any of our listeners. I would say. Um, I think that's and, a yearly rewatch for me, that entire series. Pretty much, to be honest. <laughs> yeah. uh, the only other thing I've watched is, and this is a bit of a stretch, do you remember Drama Rama? The children, is children's ITV had like a drama strand and yeah. it kind, kind of often, and the opening titles used to go, Drama Rama. Yeah. Um, yeah, and um, yeah, I was reading about an episode apparently basically loads of them are up on youtube and um yeah i watched something called the snap and it's only 20 minutes long it's really it's basically like someone thought what we really need to do is make whistle and i'll come to you uh for kids (laughs) (laughs) and it's like why did you think that (laughs) (laughs) Because it didn't pro- like it much. <laughs> yeah, it, def- it definitely comes from a stage where it was like, you know, not, I don't think it's even, I don't think it was even like a deliberate choice, but it was basically just like, yeah, like ghosts and death and murder and stuff like that. Kids love that. And kids <laughs> do love that. But yeah. apparently these days, no, they shouldn't see it. But no. this was, yeah, this was, it's, yeah, so check out, check out the snap. Um, if only for a nostalgic sake. In a weird way, it reminded me a lot of um it reminded me a bit of possum the um 
okay. And Matt Holness directed thing in that it was just a lot of bleak landscapes and loneliness and sort of yeah, yeah. it's just really but yeah. Have, have a watch. <laughs> Excellent. Cool. Um Jennifer, have you watched anything that you'd like to discuss? Well, I don't know, because usually you tell me what we've watched and then I can prepare and talk about it. Right. I was just literally thinking, no idea, because we've been watching Christmas stuff now. Yeah. Because it's uh, December. Well, Jennifer has. um, I have come closer to horror. It's horror slash sci-fi. I've started re-watching The X-Files, the original series from the beginning. Mm. Oh, nice. Uh, I'm not saying it's been a slow two days, but I'm 15 episodes in. <laughs> Holy shit. Yes. Yeah. Some of us are going to work. Yeah. Some of us are So you're well into the second, you're sort of right into the start of the second series then, must be. Oh, right. no, because they're 24 episodes a season. So I'm oh, 15 episodes. I thought it was 12 in, for some That's what made oh, me, wow. I was like, oh, there's six seasons at 24 episodes a season. I was like, Holy shit, no wonder it felt like such a long journey to get there. It's hundreds mm. of hours. Uh, but by the way, it's not six series, it's nine. Oh, <laughs> no, God. But, but no, didn't, didn't you wow. say, because you said nine as recently? Yeah. I was going to say, nine series, two movies that you do have to watch. Yeah. Because they're part of the overarching plot. And then the comeback that they did a couple of years ago where they did two series. But no, didn't you say that they drop off a bit? In the later series, <laughs> do you think maybe? <laughs> I think it just is. It's it basically it's like you get to the point in the X Files where it's like a Lisa episode in The Simpsons, mm. where you're like, yeah. oh, are we doing? Are we doing the big plot arc? Oh, oh that's gonna yeah. be shit. So you know you're gonna be bored for fifty minutes. Whereas <laughs> what you really, what you really wanted was just here's a thing. Here's us <laughs> investigating it. He don't. He believes it. She don't. She sees it. But there you go. No proof. But it's brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> you just want Bigfoot and vampire episodes. It should be. They should have kept it exactly like Kolchak. Yeah. Of just no sort of. I mean, yeah. Build up. Actually, no. That's the point. Build up an arc, but plan it. Yeah. It definitely was made up as they went along and got yeah. needlessly uh... fucking complicated. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I've got to say, fifteen episodes in, and um, yeah, it, it's holding up really. I thought it might, I thought I might struggle more with the earlier ones. I thought it might be one of those. The first series mm. might be a bit ropey, and then it picks up in three and four, and then it drops back down again. But actually, yeah, I, I, I think there's been like one duff episode in fifteen so far. Yeah, and they even really, that wasn't duff. So they they really hit the ground running, and mm. like those first, I think it's the first three series are probably at its prime. Okay, so now we're all caught up. Uh, let's discuss this evening's main feature. So what did you think of it, Chris, watching it for the first time? Yeah, well, it was really interesting watching it um, after watching the remake. And oh, I'd say good and... Well, poss- I don't know. It oh, kind of... I think it did help in a way. Like... Um, so, so I, I sort of liked that I knew the story a bit, um, and I was interested to see how they did it originally, um, and like the way they shot this, the way it looks, the the colours are amazing, and but the contrast between the darkness of the film and the style is quite unusual. I was trying mm. to think of something else that was quite this extreme, um, 
But I was thinking a few points that I possibly would have preferred it if it had, if it was a bit more comedy, because it's obviously not at all. But with that style, I think I'm used to it being, when you're watching something that looks like that, it is more of a comedy. So yeah. I, that could just be where, um, you know, I'm filtering it just because of what I'm used to seeing. But I can imagine, again, seeing this in 1977, I think it was, you know, quite unusual, I would have thought. Um, I loved the the actress playing Susie, Jessica Harper. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I, I really liked her throughout. Did you recognise um, her from a previous film we've watched? Hmm. No. <laughs> no. Phoenix. <laughs> She was oh, also the, lots, the, lots of the Phantom. Yeah. Yes, Phantom of Paradise. Yes. Yeah. All right. And that's it's funny. Jennifer obviously remembered it because we were watching it, and then she suddenly said, "It's funny. Yeah. I keep expecting her to burst into song and it be really inappropriate, and then I realised <laughs> that's a totally different film." <laughs> <laughs> mm -hmm. I was like, "She's going to sing in a minute. I don't think that's right." <laughs> oh no. Yeah. <laughs> She uh, that's that's why she got off the path as ah. well because ah. of Phantom of the Paradise. So yeah, oh, that's great. Yeah, mm. um, yeah, no. So so I did. It was it was uh, very impressive, um, and yeah, I guess it it doesn't go quite as extreme. I mean, there's there's a few scenes that are quite um, quite grim in this, and the overall idea of it is still very dark. Um, Although lightened it more in this than in the remake because of the the color palette, yeah. Um, but yeah, it's uh, I suppose. And then on the flip side was that having seen the remake and that is more in the style of what I'm used to. Then mm. overall, I liked the story told in that way. Sure, I've heard the theme tune before. You've the main piece. Time near me, so you probably yeah. Well, that's quite some possible. Point. Um, but yeah, so like that's it's fantastic. But again, it's it's very powerful, and I think that added to the idea that that you're watching an experience mm. more than oh yeah, it's the not, unfolding it's, story. It's not realistic in that sense. Yeah, which a lot, which is in common with a lot of the Italian stuff. It's okay. a lot more expressionistic. So, so it's like it's very it's enjoyable. Works there, but it's kind of like so, this is a movie. This is your experience of this movie. Yeah. And especially when they did some things like when she was drinking the wine in bed and it was like your point of view as if you're drinking the wine. And, you know, bits like that sort of made me think even more that they're trying to have that effect and, and a lot of close-ups on things and, and so on. So it's, like, it was, you know, it's a great thing to watch, but just different. And I think that's a, a slightly different mindset to get into or expectation. Mm. Um, a lot, yeah. a lot of it comes from. I think Dario Argento is quite into. It was very heavily influenced by Alfred Hitchcock. Mm, okay, but it's more yeah. the it's more the sort of flary side of Hitchcock, whereas yeah, because I think maybe maybe the good thing that the fact that you've watched you watched the remake before this is the one thing is that it probably makes the plot. It fills in the gaps that they yeah. really don't bother putting in mm. in the seventy-seven one. There are certain moments where you're like, "Hey, well, mm. okay." So yeah, that, uh, that definitely you, makes you, sense. You saying about the, like the in terms of the comic sort of uh, like the visuals of it gave you that feeling of like something that would be comic. Yeah, 
Probably because I mean it does it 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 doesn't just share Jessica Harper with Phantom of the Paradise because mm. that's over the top and like quite. But also, I wonder if it's when we've shown you um, like Roger Corman stuff mm. because again, there's a lot of that sort of use of color. It's a lot gentler. Okay. Because you feel like you're drowning in Quality Street in um, in a Corman <laughs> movie. Yeah. Rather than this, which is like you know, just like burning um, in blood, star- staring yeah. into a red sun, you know. Yes. <laughs> but I wonder if that may be where the connection sort of is, because I think, and not only that, but also I think that's the thing: is it just teeters on the edge of absurd because yeah. of that presentation style and everything. So. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Um, but you know, there's some great dialogue throughout. Um, I liked, you know, when when she was talking and trying to unravel the mystery as it goes, and um, when she's speaking to the is it psychiatrist, um, sort of. Oh yes, yeah, yeah. Later on, and yeah, you know, there's, there's some definitely great scenes and yeah, great bits in it. Um, I meant to look that up on IMDb and I didn't. That psychiatrist, that's a very young Udo Kier, isn't it? Yeah, a very young Udo Kier. When you when you could see why he was a leading man rather than nowadays where he looks a bit more like George Galloway. So yeah. it, <laughs> you, you can't imagine, but he is, you know, he's a very swoonsome mm. yeah. Udo, Udo Kier in that. And actually the guy that he brings over to her, the, yeah. the other doctor, um, he's the butler from The Exorcist. Mm. Ah. Uh, I can't remember, what's his name? It's like, it's like just a single... It's a single oh, name. Carl, it that's it. Oh, Carl. Carl, not Bill, thank you. So, but, um, but also, I mean, that's one thing, because they knew it was going to be a an English dub of this. Um, a lot of people are speaking in their own language mm. and then dubbed later. Um, yeah. And apparently, yeah, that when they were filming that, the the guy playing the professor would just nudge her with his foot when he'd finished speaking because she genuinely did not have a fucking clue <laughs> what he was saying because yeah. he was reading it in German. So, you know, he would no, say... And... <laughs> which is... Um, yeah, there's a lot of that sort of weirdness that so goes... What, one thing that I liked in the remake is that they have kind of subplots with... Um, and a guy who looked a bit like that professor um and it was just yeah it's a nice story added to it that at the end um is m- more meaningful so mm-hmm. i guess yeah it just adds sort of extra layers perhaps that i, I think that that's it the, the original finishes and you do feel a bit like well what's happening next like you don't mm. really get any wrap around or finishing story to it do you it does feel very stark throughout as you say almost like separate mm. bits yeah and it finishes and you're left with a little bit like you could almost oh, watch them as shorts it felt like yeah mm. and also and also just the weird sort of way that at the end of it she walks away but in a sort of like those crazy witches yeah. smile yeah. on her face rather than jesus christ that, was... I got out of that one yeah. Yeah. I, I thought it was a bit harsh that they killed the uh the butler in this because i didn't he hadn't done anything wrong had he or did i miss he, he was part of the cult yeah. He had the lighter. He had Sarah's lighter, but 
after they yeah. killed her off in the barbed wire cellar. Okay, but but they didn't show him doing anything. He was chasing her with a knife. Yeah, oh, okay. I must, oh, he I'm, was I'm, part I'm, of that, wasn't he? Must have missed yeah. that then. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I'll, I'll be honest, and this is terrible. Is I, I for for years I thought that guy was Dario Argento, and it's not. Mm. It's just another guy with a bowl cut and a extreme face. So see, now that did make me laugh because the, the one of the lines, yeah, where you see him is, "Oh, this is so and so. He's the handyman around here. Very ugly, isn't he?" It's all right, you can say that. And I was like, "This is an Argento film. He literally looks like someone's drawn a face on a testicle. That man." Like for him so to have a line like that in one of his films. You have to Google him now so I can see him. I'm intrigued because I only know Dario Argento, of course, from playing the game Goth with Adam. Yeah, yeah 50% of the film answers are Dario Argento. Yeah, That's this was how I, I learned who he was. I, I was recount. I was recounting that to um, Claire when yeah. I got when I was accused of cheating because it was how would you know that? And it was the. It was how does the blind pianist Daniel die in Suspiria? He gets mm. he gets savaged by his own guide dog. Yeah, and I remember <laughs> I remember that. I think that was your breaking point, Jennifer, for some reason that day because you were just like, I was "Oh like, come on, how could you even?" Happy bloody Dario that? again. Yeah. <laughs> bloody yeah. Dario. Yeah, but at least I learned who he was. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Oh, there he is. No, you know what he looks like. See what I mean? He's got his head is shaped like a testicle, and his face is just a very small portion in the centre of it. I love Dario Argento. I'd just like to point that out. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yes, your description is pretty fairly. <laughs> but I mean, and so, but he was part of a. This is his first supernatural uh, film, hmm. because okay. prior to this, it's a lot of. Basically, he did a lot of what's called uh, Jallo, which is which is literally is yellow, and what it, and it's basically like crime dramas, but with a sort of slasher filmy sort of edge to them. It's always like an unknown killer in black leather gloves stabbing people in POV shots and stuff like that. Mm. Um, okay. And they're also quite sort of like. Th- almost like Suspiria where it's like you know the police will be trying to solve it but unlike a police procedure where it's like we found um you know we found blood and we tested it and it matched him etc etc no it's always things like well we've just realized that his mum she used to own an elephant farm (laughs) and that's why he's doing it and you're like (laughs) that is a leap well, I mean, that, I did like that one of that, my... is, that isn't one of them, but it is kind of. Yeah. <laughs> it's like... One of my favourite quotes was uh, when the headmistress is saying about the police, and she said, "Yes, uh, I, I spoke to them earlier, and they said they had some definite clues." And yes. that was it. Just some definite clues, and definite I'm going to move clues. on now, and <laughs> yeah. don't ask any more questions because they had some definite clues. And yeah, I'm used to crime dramas. I was expecting they've got some forensic evidence, and you know, they found no, this out. No, no. I don't. I genuinely, I don't think there's even a, a policeman listed in the credits. No, I no, think you, don't that see they, one. you only hear that people have called them. Allegedly. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, so so he he would do all, he did these type of films, and the, and so yeah, he did um, the big one was Deep Red. Or uh, Profundo Russo. Um, oh, I've heard he, of that from Goff. 
<laughs> yes, exactly. And he did the bird with the, the crystal game. plumage and the cat of nine tails and four flies on grey velvet. They have amazing titles. Yeah. But they're not but they're rubbish. They're not great. You know, they're, they're pretty they're pretty good, but they're not I don't think they work in they're they're slasher films, but not even slasher films. I don't know if they're quite horror. Mm. You know. But he then he does this and then he did Inferno and Tenebrae and Phenomena. Phenomena's fucking great. That's yeah. yeah, you've got um oh, what's her name? Jennifer Connolly. Uh, has the power to uh, telekinetically control insects. Meanwhile, someone is killing people, including wheelchair-bound professor Donald Pleasance, who has a helper monkey. Oh, well, that sounds good. Why don't you watch this? Yeah, Phenomena is is fucking great. It's phenomenal. It's phenomenal. Phenomenal. Um, and he's, he's, I mean, he's still making films now, but he still sort of flits between the two where it's like the crime stuff or the horror stuff. Mm. Um, but yeah, so, I mean, he was, uh, his, uh, family were quite big, I believe, like his dad was a producer and stuff like that. So I think the Argentos have been quite a big family as it was, um, like within Italian cinema and then Dario Argento sort of came along and was just, um, and again, it was even the the slasher stuff. It looks incredible, and it's shot, compl- you know, it's be- it's brilliantly shot and stuff like that. But they are just as they are distinctly style over substance. And I know Suspiria is to a greater lesser extent. I just really fucking love the style mm. of Suspiria. Um, and um, but the, I mean, the reason we were covering it is because um. Uh, Dar- uh, Daria uh, Nicolodi died uh, a couple of weeks ago, and she was Dario Argento's longtime partner. And their daughter Asia Argento is obviously like a, a famous actress. Um, and um, but yeah, she um, she appeared in a lot of Dario Argento's films. She's in She's in Mother of Tears and Opera and Phenomena and Tenebrae and stuff. And she started, she, first thing she did was Deep Red, Deep Red and she's great in that. Um, and uh, Inferno and stuff. And But this was, um, she also wrote some horror films, but this was the only one, I think this is the only one she got a credit for, hmm. which is just, you know, that's pretty much typical. Mm-hmm. Um, but, um, and she was meant to play the part of Sarah. Um, but she uh, she got injured. In, she was injured in an accident, apparently, and so she couldn't she couldn't be in it. But she's in it right at the start as they're going through the airport. She's one of the crowd walking through with um, uh, with Jessica Harper, and um, but she uh, more importantly is the the voice and snoring of uh, Helena Marcos. Oh, yeah. nice! Yeah. So and so and I think you know it's a pretty powerful performance for a voice. So it does just sound fucking evil. So, <laughs> um, but um, and so yes, but she, what was I did write it down because really the Suspiria was her concept. Um, where is it? I wrote Suspiria for Argento, title, subject, and script. 
the inspiration came from a tale my grandmother Yvonne used to tell me when I was a child uh, after an experience she had in a northern acting academy where she discovered the teachers were teaching arts but also black magic. Yes. Winning. Was, well done, teachers. <laughs> I was fond of this story of hers more than Pinocchio. <laughs> and when I told it to Dario, it was uh, natural for him to fall in love with too. It was his first step from thrillers to fantasy alchemy movies and we did it together and so really i think she she was the one that pushed it into what i think is the more interesting area of dario argento's work Mm. and um but also the finale came from a dream that she had where she encountered an invisible witch and then a panther in the room exploded which is why there's a plaster panther on the side that explodes Mm as yeah. everything goes to shit. And yeah, that was entirely because of uh, 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 Daria Nicolodi's dream. Now, that is a bit of a crossover. They use exploding in the remake. So that oh, suddenly reminded they? me of, of it. Oh, yeah. okay. In a, in a rather more graphical way. Oh, hmm. dear. Now, there's a, there's a thing, um, and really the remake is what's possibly fucked me up being able to search this. Um, mm. But I know there is a thing where Dario Argento, whenever he does, he does his films, but there's he always kind of sets it in an alternate reality. But that's only in his head from the point of view of writing and directing. Mm. So he doesn't make it explicit in the film or whatever like that. And for example, uh, the one I could find was that Tenebrae was meant to take place after... After I believe after a pandemic, so okay. the the world is vastly depopulated, mm. which mm. which equally might be a very good way of you know we couldn't get a lot of extras. Yeah. So <laughs> if I tell myself in my head it's that, that's fine. Um, and I I genuinely can't find this because I know there's a lot about the war in mm. the remake yeah. of Suspiria, but in I'm I, I'm fucking adamant I've read this. I couldn't find it, but it's annoying me. Um, but basically, the world of Suspiria, um, the Nazis won the war, ah. and apparent. And I'm sure, I'm sure I'm quoting this right. Where basically Dario Argento said, "So everyone's just a little bit crueler," oh. <laughs> you know, which I thought was a sort of a good way of putting it or something. But yeah, um, but this seems to be something that's then bled into the film because. Um, obviously, it's set in Germany, um, I believe, because actually, yeah, um, I, like it's, it's set in, what is it, Fry, Freiburg. Mm. Um, yeah, yeah, so, which, is a, uh, which is in Germany. And, um, but it's filmed in Munich, and mm. a lot of the locations are heavily Nazi-associated. Okay. And it's, so again, it's kind of putting that in there, but possibly as a comment of, you know, but without too much. But it's enough that if you know it, you would see it. Because basically, like the bit where the pianist gets um, savaged by the dog, yeah, that that's a place called Koenig Square, uh, um, Koenigsplatz, and basically that was where they held early Nazi rallies. They held book burning ceremonies there, so it's quite and it 
part of parts of the architecture were designed by the Nazi government and stuff like that, and it was so it's all sort of in there. But weirdly enough, the bit in the beer keller mm. that is that's actually the Hofbrau House beer keller, which is where Hitler and the originators of the, the Nazi part. That's yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's oh, where wow. they met and fought and everything else like that. And again, it's like it's in there, mm. but there's nothing made of it. No, and that yeah. feels probably in tune with this thing of like, oh, well, the Nazis won the war. So it's it's there for people to get those things if they recognise them. Mm-hmm. I mean, basically, it's like sort of like, well, this is going to get shown in Germany. I'll tell them what I think. Um, <laughs> but there is, there's, I, I'm going to say there's an excellent YouTube video, Susie in Nazi Germany, uh, which is uploaded by someone called Horror, just Horror Fan, like one word. Um, but that is, a, but they are, um, I believe they're G- German or Austrian, and they basically go through all the locations that are used in it and how it sort of relates. Because there's lots of stuff in there, like even, um, like related to how it was a lot of it's to do with people who stayed in power after the Second World War, where it was like, oh no, you know, we we actually need people to run things. And so, you know, so there's, you know, not not the big bads, but there are a lot of people in here with some very questionable morals yeah. still 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 operating, you know. So um this I thought was also very, very weird is and well weird in that it makes more sense to a certain extent. Uh originally this was a the the uh girls in the ballet school were meant to be about twelve. <laughs> inappropriate <laughs> well because uh, i was thinking about it because actually for an italian film this is quite chaste okay there's not there's there's no nudity i don't think no you know and there's no there's no actual sex or anything like that going on so it's you know for an italian horror it's actually quite there was something in the remake it, I th- they had a more sexual oh. element to to it like a lot more of the dancing it seemed to be, and I guess that often seems to be the case with witch-related activity. All the silly dancings. I think those crazy witches, yeah, yeah. nothing changed about their dancing. <laughs> <laughs> but but basically, the the everyone turned around to him and just said, "Yeah, but if you're going to do all these murders, people aren't going to want to see twelve-year-olds no. like stabbed and then pushed through a fucking skylight and hung." Or, you know, tormented in a in a room of barbed wire. So he changed the ages. Didn't bother changing the dialogue. So that's why everyone comes over as a bit sort of naive or a bit sort of mm. maybe that's why thinking... in a weird way maybe that's why it's quite chaste. There's no sort of sexy element to it because it's like he's still writing for twelve year olds. Yeah. I don't know. I was just thinking bitchy ballerinas. Really, it seemed quite appropriate. <laughs> yeah. No, slightly okay. immature, slightly bitchy, you know, yeah. that's it. Mm. So it sort of work, it definitely works on that score. But here's the weird bit. He made all the doors with the door handles at head height. <laughs> so they would so when they opened a door, they, they would open it as if they were shorter, Smaller. like they were younger. <laughs> which is mental. Yeah. So, <laughs> Are you sure but that was lot... Nazi Germany? He was like, if the Nazis won, 
they would screw around and they'd move all the door yeah. handles. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's what they would have done, definitely. They would have definitely, <laughs> yes. I, yeah. In fact, I think I think it was part of their manifesto. Definitely, yeah. It was some, somewhere, behind, some, <laughs> somewhere behind the mechanisation of genocide and nice hats. Mm. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, and this is this becomes the first part. There is a trilogy of the three mothers, and so Helena Marcos is meant to be part of a triumvirate of witches mm. who rule the world essentially um, from stately homes dotted around the globe. And so they did. They he did a, another film called Inferno, and then uh, that was 1980, and then 2017, Mother of Tears, which I've still not seen because I don't know what happened to the DVD. I've got the case. I don't know where the DVD is. So that, that'll never turn up. Um, and yeah, so you've got the three mothers, and Helena Marcos is Mater Suspirium, or Our Lady of Sighs. And um, she is the oldest and wisest of the witches. And then in um, in Inferno, you get Mater Tenebrarum, which is Our Lady of Darkness, the youngest and cruelest. And then you get, uh, in Mother of Tears, you get Mater Lacrimarum, Our Lady of Tears. And, um, yeah, so it's like, but they're all based on stuff from uh, writings by Thomas de Quincey, where he was like, so you've got three muses and you've got three graces, so I've come up with the three sorrows. And that was what the three mothers were. And, um, yeah, but there is, they, they sort of link, but let's face it, this film doesn't sort of link. You know, it, <laughs> it sort of links. Mm. So, and, yeah, so it's not exactly like, it's not sort of Avengers Endgame. You know, it's not. No. They're not full of Easter eggs for if you follow the trilogy. <laughs> but arguably, it is worth watching them all to to create the wider story. Well, I still, I still need, to, like I say, I still need to yeah. watch Mother of Tears. Um, but I, um, Inferno is great as well. Mm. So, so come on, Adam. So I, I've kept quiet and I've said I'm gonna say very little until the end when everyone's finished. <laughs> So, Adam, I think you're going to have to get your goblin hard on out of the way because okay, uh, it is well, the elephant in the room. It's the loud, blaring it. elephant in the room. I love <laughs> goblin. And now, what? How is it you described it, Claire? Because Claire watched it and found it was what, what sort of... it was just overwhelming, mm. jarring. Mm. I think yeah. it was my thought. Yeah, I, I felt like I was being hypnotized. Yeah. yeah, which I think is kind of, uh, but I think that's also where its unease lies. I think that's its, it it jars you rather than actually necessarily presents anything that's sort of scary. I mean, it's some very nasty murders, but... Yeah, you know, it doesn't do anything cause psychological. It doesn't seem to build up as such. It just does, like, bits of... Yeah. Go, oh, what's going on here? Oh, all right, it's the music, it's a bit horrible, and there's paint everywhere. But, but um, yeah. I, I, I have, it has to be said that uh, uh, my sister does say that the music sounds like 
the little people of Stonehenge. Because <laughs> yeah. there's a lot of a lot of uh, twangy, uh, tingly sort of stuff. But um, yeah, I, I mean, Goblin, I absolutely fucking adore. They did they did a, a few soundtracks for um, Argento. Sorry, I'm going to do it. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> they were originally called Cherry Five, and they released right. an eponymous album before their Italian label Cinevox, who mainly released soundtracks. Hooked them up with a composer with composer Giorgio Gaslini to score Dario Argento's Deep Red. Argento and Gaslini had an argument. Gaslini left, and then Argento asked the band to score the film. They wrote the score in one night and recorded it the very next day. Mm-hmm. Um, Sounds about right. They Not recorded a couple of hours. They recorded and released the soundtrack under the name Goblin because they wanted to avoid clashing with their debut that was coming out. But Profundo, like the soundtrack, was a massive hit, oh. and so then it was like, no, I suppose we are called Goblin, aren't we? Yes, because I was <laughs> buying Cherry Fives out of Marlowe, but the fucking Deep Red's in the top ten, and um, but yeah, various lineup. They've had various lineups and everything, but on this one, it's pretty much the classic lot, which is uh, Massimo Moranti on guitars, Claudio Simonetti on keyboards. Fabio Pignatelli on bass and Augustino Marangolo on drums. But for some reason, they are also credited as the Goblins on the credits for this. I don't know why. Um, but they I didn't also... hear any of those instruments. Sorry? <laughs> I didn't hear any of those. I heard a fucking didgeridoo, yeah. uh, some chimes, yeah. uh, somebody going, like they were possibly drunk and trying to throw up. I didn't hear any instruments pl- being played in this music. I tell, you, I tell you what, I tell you what, we, I, um, I've seen Goblin like Claudio seen because there's, it's now like what's it called? They're now like the fucking Bay City Rollers. Mm. So there's three versions of Goblin doing the rounds. There's Goblin, which has got Moranti and Pignatelli and Marangolo in it. There's Claudio Simonetti's Goblin, um, who are also called Demonia. Um, but they, yeah, they sell, they sell all the, um, they sell better as goblins. So yeah, the Claudio Simonet is goblin, and then there's Goblin Rebirth, which has got Marangolo and Pignatelli in it, and I've heard it, and I really like it, but yeah, I think for me the edge is always going to be Claudio Simonet because he's just a really nice bloke, and he oh. still does soundtracks for him on uh, for Argento and other films. Um, solo as well, so he's but um, yeah, so we went to see... them. That, that does make it goblins, so plural it does. now. Yeah. There are many goblins, <laughs> there are several goblins, yeah, and um, we we went to um, myself, uh, and former guests Dean and Drew. We went over two nights a couple of Halloweens ago, they showed um. Dawn of the Dead, which they also did the soundtrack for, and Suspiria, and they played live with the film. Yeah. So you watched the film, and then whenever it kicked in, they were playing live. And exactly as you said, though, Lee, the first night we saw Dawn of the Dead, and there was a band set up. There were keyboards, drums, guitar, bass. Fucking Suspiria, we came, and it was like two kettle drums, a balalaika <laughs> attached to fucking loads of pedals. It was Mental, 
<laughs> genuinely mental. They're, it's it's very much one of those um, one of those lovely moments where a prog band have made a bit of money. So it's like, oh, what are you talking about? We haven't put on the Estonian buttock flute. I paid good money for that. When's that coming into it? <laughs> that was precisely what it felt like. It felt like they all just turned up with an instrument. None of a, them matched. Honey, did it feel like a buttock flute? <laughs> yeah. They all turned up with separate instruments. They hadn't written anything. They all had a hangover. Yeah. When Adam they said just... they wrote it in a night, I was like, yeah. really? They wrote anything for this? Yeah, exactly. Oh, no, no. Oh, this, that, that, that was deep red. Good on Not, them. This wasn't written in a night. No. no. no that was deep red. It was. No. But, but they are still sitting there with all of your money stuffed in their ears going, how the fuck have we got away with this? Oh, good on them, though. Yeah. Good oh, on yeah. them. Like, I'm on their side. Especially if you say they're really nice guys. But I hate Goblin. I can't oh, deal. Are they, um, deal. Are they Italian? Do you know what? I'm, I couldn't even be angry. I just feel sorry for you. Oh. The, joy that, the joy they bring me is incredible. Claire described it, that's it, yeah, Claire described it as all the iPhone alarms going off at once. Oh, <laughs> Do you know what? Yeah. I nearly said it sounds like You're someone... The doorbell had, going off. It sounded like it. someone had taken a song by Pig Destroyer and then a song by, I don't know, like Silverman Zion with completely different diamonds and then just played them both at the same time and then went, put it over that, what should oh. be a really quiet, slow build-up. <laughs> Is there someone outside the window? Isn't there someone outside the window? I don't know because it sounds like someone's trying to rape my skull with all of these random chaotic nonsense noises going yeah, on. Yeah, but that's what they were going for. Yeah, so, I'm sure that they were. Is distinctly what they were going for. And it worked. <laughs> anyway, so it are they Italian? Works. That's the beauty of it. From. Not only that, but also just to just to just to lighten the mood because this certainly worked for Claire. Is I said, what you've got to do is the sort of the t the opening music, the very sort of like twinkly, I uh, like that Stonehenge bits. Um, think of that of me in my office going to tell someone some bad news that I know is going to piss them off and has delighted me in how it's going to piss them off. So that's it's like my mischief music. <laughs> Well, that's the thing, and that's the problem. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm going to hold back on launching into the film, but I am going to let go on Goblin at this point. <laughs> that was what it sounded like. Like that twinkly bit was a brilliant mm. piece of music and worked really well. But then it was like the other members of the band went, "Yeah, but I've got this big fucking drum. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. But it doesn't go. Yeah, but I've bought a big fucking drum, so I'm going to hit it when randomly. All oh, right. What, yeah, what have you got? Calm down, Lee. Calm I've got down. a didgeridoo, and I'm occasionally going to shout down it. Why? Because I can. Well, That's why. You, you do that. And it was, oh, and it was so, because it's, because it's so off time as well. Like, it's, it, it, it's not, I'm sure you're going to tell me that it was designed to be like that, to make you feel uncomfortable. But to me, it was just like bad musicianship. But it worked. Where, it made you feel uncomfortable. It did. Yeah. It made me stop watching the film because I wasn't paying attention to what was going on. And I was like, well, when's he going to make that noise again? Because he just keeps doing it at random times that have nothing to do with what anybody else is doing. I think Adam looks so pleased because he's probably made a cover of one of their tracks and he's about to play it to us. Well, it's, no, it's not, it's not so much that. It's just the amount of time that, again, me, Drew and Dean spent actually trying to design that. <laughs> <laughs> Exactly as you were saying, Lou, where it's like we're, we were sitting there genuine. And I, that's why I feel it is a deliberate thing from Goblin. And it is a talent because we would just sit there and it's like, yeah, but if you put it in there, that, that's fuck with them. 
But again, <laughs> we, weirdly enough, maybe that's the that's the thing is, is you do need a band that put people in, it, it, have a combative. <laughs> this was my other problem with it. This, it it's so I know, like I know you were saying mm. that it's like you say it's not supposed to be set in a kind of real world. This is an art piece and not a film, really. Um. Oh no, but it's yeah, still but... a film, but it's a film that is very artificial. It doesn't want to present a kitchen sink. Yeah, but the music is so so loud. So I spent the whole time with my hand on the on the remote. Like, it. Like, oh, I, bet this I did find that a little bit. Room, and I was like, well, no, it didn't, because every time somebody talks, yeah, I can't hear the first two or three words, so I have to put the volume up, and then all of a sudden, some prick hits the side of a metal dust. The classic oh, one, Claudio like, oh. Simonetti, Lee's nan. <laughs> maybe that's goblin four you know the other bands that's yeah but yeah i just i think it's fair to say i i don't get it no that's fair enough and i think but i think again it kind of in terms of the film it's it's basically in the place of the invisible things that they don't show you mm. where it's like how are we gonna and it's like right so she's creeping down the corridor how do we let her know that evil people know what's going on? Well, hello, Goblin. Can you bang yeah. on your hands for five minutes? And they said, yeah. Can you make we've it got... really super loud so that <laughs> yeah. the walls shake and you lose yeah. any concept of what's going on visually? And that's the problem. This film looks like it should be purely visual. And then mm. they keep putting that music on, which is mm. so distracting that I'm listening to that and being aggravated by it, and not watching what's happening on the screen, which is probably a good thing because spoiler alert, I think this film is dog shit from beginning to end. I, I I think I love the colours, like Chris was saying. I love like the colour palette they use, the spectrum, the neon lights. You like the decor, that. darling? Yeah, I love the uh, decor. Uh, I was going to say, there's not every single set there. I did say to Claire, Lee wants that room. Yes. yes. Absolutely. Yeah. Our hallway is based on that hallway yeah. with the red walls and the panels and the black. Like that. You've got to put the um, door handles up at head height and then it'll be absolutely right. Actually, I mean, ours are quite ours high. Really high are, yeah. Yeah. Um, there you go. Yeah. Um, I just, I, this film feels to me, sorry, but I'm going to say it. It feels to me like if you gave a student who studied film but had never actually made one and you gave them five million, this is what they'd come back with. And you're like, that every shot is either super basic hey, or hang on. shit. So if we go back to when it was made, so is that based on now? Whereas back in the 70s, 77, no, you know, this was groundbreaking. No, no. Hang on, Adam, was this groundbreaking for 77? Oh, yeah, because I think you've got right. to remember. I mean, the two, the, the, the landmark that you've got in there is obviously 77, you get Star Wars. Mm. Oh. Yeah, Star Wars, I think, was... Wins. Well, I would say it's excellently produced. Oh, oh yeah, no, Star, Star Wars without a shadow of a doubt yeah. looks incredible because it builds the world mm. convincing or the worlds mm. convincingly. Mm. This is distinctly an exercise in well, battery, I suppose. It's mm. it is almost like right, so right, I'm gonna I'm not just gonna put I'm not gonna put just put this on screen, I'm just gonna make all the colours to the point of your eyes bleeding. I'm going to put the volume up to 11. Yes, and please. it's, yeah, and I think that's the thing. It is definitely not a, 
in no way, in no terms, a realistic film. <laughs> no. And it isn't, but it isn't like surreal enough. And, uh, you know, like if they Quite made surreal. it, well, it is, but not surreal enough. And the, the acting, the acting pissed me off. Everybody overacts to such a, the beginning Every, bit where they Everyone is very off kilter. And the woman lot. is outside banging on the Ballerinas are like that. Maybe they are. That's why I'm not I think it's artistic types. Oh, crap. But, like, and even his like even his shots upset me. So <laughs> you discussed earlier about the, the scene where um, Jessica Harper is talking to the old professor. Yeah. And he kept taking the shot. So whoever mm. was talking, he kept getting yeah. closer and closer. And I was like, yeah. oh, it, oh, it upset me. I, and then it got to the point where I was shouting at Jennifer instead of watching the film. It's he knows rubbish. what he's doing. This is his plan. You just got to oh, accept it. Oh, it's so bad. So bad. There's no excuse for it. Well, I, I think, think there is I... excuse for it. You know, it's what Pretentiousness. Doing. This it's... is pretentiousness. Well, I... if, if you need a, a definition of pretension, this film is it. If somebody said, what is pretentious? Show me. I would say <laughs> sit down and watch the spirit. You, you've not seen because... the others yet. But if it's, it's, if it's pretentious, then it's deliberate. Because oh. otherwise, other, otherwise it's incompetence, and they're two <laughs> very different things. Well, I do yeah. think it's incompetence. Well. So there you go. You see, do you go incompetence? But then it's not pretentious. Mm. It's the best he could do. Or do you go pretentious? But he knew what he was fucking doing. No, I think he liked to think he knew what he was doing, <laughs> and never sent. <laughs> To say, do you know what? I've done that shot and it looks like shit. Let's reshoot it. He'd be like, no, that, that's definitely what I was going for. I think it's at least he's not gone down the route of um, Tommy Wiseau and now oh. planes. Oh, yeah. no, yeah. I, deliberately, I deliberately made a comedy. You fucking didn't, mate. No. <laughs> oh, yeah, no, he totally owns this. And he's like, yeah, no, this is exactly my vision. Well, your vision is not no. up to... Par. Well, it's a par. It depends what your par is, doesn't it? Oh. How many under par, over par? I was so angry nonsense. watching it. We watched it over two nights. And the second night, I was like, if we weren't covering this for the podcast, this film could fuck <laughs> off because there's no way I could watch another 45 minutes of this absolute nonsense. I, I think, as you say, I think we watched well, it originally. You were sticking it out. Yeah. I think when we originally watched it, we were expecting sort of low you know, low expectations, and I remember quite liking it, as you said, the same. Mm. And then whether this time, because we had higher expectations, it was a bit like, oh, no, this doesn't make any sense. Maybe it's because we've watched more or I've watched more horrors by now. And I think also, to me, the storyline was disappointing. I think mm. if it was a good storyline, then absolutely, like a bit like Texas Chainsaw Massacre, you know, the arty style to it kind of adds to the story. And it worked mm. really well. And I yeah, that's why I wonder if, if the first time you watch it, it is you appreciate that experience more. Yeah. Whereas, yeah, next time you might be looking for, for those mm. bits that are missing. Yeah. Or very deliberately left it. Yeah. I, I think for me, like the, the idea of it, oh, witches and ballet, mm. loving that idea. It is a good idea. I like the story yeah. on paper. I just don't mm. like anything. But that's why the it. remake might be better. Yeah. Possibly. Mm. That's oh. the reason to give the remake a go because I think, yeah. from what I gather, there is just ba basically someone said, "Well, we can do this, but we'll actually, yeah, 
turn it into a full oh, oh, over, yeah. overhaul the plot so it mm. actually flows and yeah. works. it is it is much much deeper much richer I, I would have thought you would like it jennifer lee definitely you like the end <laughs> i'll just get <laughs> i don't the know end. about the rest of it last 10 minutes lee come watch this oh, uh, yeah roughly yeah. That's what it see, I, I, see i wonder because they're not because they're not trying because they're not trying to do the same thing i'll probably mm. i would probably i i would think that i would like it just if i do enjoy it that mm. i wouldn't i would be able to divorce it utterly from it is the, the, yeah. the film because they like it's okay the characters might have the same names but that'll mm. be that's you know and it will follow similar things but it's not got that horrible thing like when you get Texas Chainsaw remake where it's like oh well we've got to put in a bit where Leatherface has you know does this yeah. or you know and it's like yeah or make a new fucking film yeah. <laughs> I agree, and that's always been my thing with remakes. If you if you if you're going to remake a film, forget the original. Yeah. Take a what like a one paragraph description yeah. of it, and just do it from scratch. Don't try and follow the original because if the original's that good, then it doesn't need remaking. Yeah. Um, but if the well, James... not good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> James, uh, well, James Gunn's Dawn of the Dead. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Like, oh, sorry. Well, I mean, he wrote the script. It's Zack Snyder, isn't it? I think. But um, where with that, where it's like, oh no, this is this is the setup, and then they wrote from there. Yeah. It was. It wasn't sort of like, oh, we've got to have every single bit that happens in this has got to happen here, and absolutely. so on and so forth. Mm. But also, I think I the other reason I'd be the other reason I'm interested to see it is just because. Of that element, where you know, if if the the one thing I cannot defend Suspiria on is the story. <laughs> it's the only <laughs> bit of like because it's no, but it's kind of what I mean is it's kind of it, it's not well executed in those no, things, no, no, in well story told. terms. Yeah, there's no, a lot no. of executions, but not the storyline. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but no, I I mean that fucking the opening theme. I'm glad that you like that because that is the that is the that is one of the pinnacles of their stuff because it's like it is basically just someone someone like can you make a creepier tube of your bells okay yeah, yeah. <laughs> it is that's exactly and again you you can totally hear as well um uh, that Carpenter gets so much of his influence from it yeah no I was going to say like, that that's what it made me think of almost exactly yeah. the same as this. Mm. Mm. I think I think that may be the that may be the important part is that it's like maybe it's like something like the Velvet Underground where it's like the importance is the number of people they influence, yeah, versus yeah. people who will actually go back and listen to the originals or yeah. listen to the the actual the, the original source, and I think it might be like that because I mean obviously he does have a because uh, that's the thing as well is like Argento's a a producer and you've got stuff like Demons which is a, a fucking great film um, he produced Dawn of the Dead and it's like you've got he has that element to it as well where it's like he can almost be like oh I present this and actually mm. he's, he's well he's welcome to fucking horror his Masters <laughs> of Horror episodes particularly Pelts with Meatloaf mm. is genuinely some of the best stuff but again I think it's like Right, you've got fifty minutes. 
don't fuck about, you know. <laughs> and maybe that is the that is the essence of it. Is you know, it's sort of if you, like you said, Chris. It's like because it's like a series of things bolted together. Mm-hmm. It might be better working on the smaller scale, or on yeah. the shorter scale at least. So, excellent. Right. So, could I just? Could I, just wanted to pay a tribute to uh, somebody we lost this week, a, a great icon, not typically known as horror, but I would say he played uh, a character that could easily be put into a horror film, uh, Darth Vader. Uh, yeah, so I, I was lucky enough to meet the man uh, yeah. very briefly. Uh, I, it was only for a few minutes, um, maybe three or four minutes. It was one of those. Like I paid and he signed a poster for me and I got my mm. photograph taken with him. But he was really, really nice. He was like, oh, no, come closer. Just stand here. Like he was really. So pretty much the opposite of the iconic figure he is well <laughs> yeah. known for. Yeah, precisely. He didn't, yeah. didn't try to force choke you or anything. Breathe in your ear. <laughs> <laughs> he was really, really nice. And uh, mm. again, it's, um, yeah, I felt privileged to have had a chance to meet. I was gutted, though, Um I got him to sign a Japanese Star Wars poster, um, mm. and then about two days later, I found my Vampire Circus DVD, and I was like, "Oh shit!" Oh I yeah, sign that. But yeah, never mind. Yeah, he portrayed at least two Frankenstein's monsters. Yeah, ah. he is the monster from hell, and the the essentially the one that should be called Young Frankenstein, but isn't because <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's another story completely. <laughs> I think I'll have to uh, watch yeah, them no. then. You're quite right to bring that forward, Chris, because uh, yeah. yeah, we can't we can't miss the passing of someone quite as incredible as that man. So, uh, mm. well, to rewatch Star Wars, really, that should be our weekend uh, viewing. Yeah, well, I let uh, Toby had heard the news that he died, and he knew oh. that he was Darth Vader, um, and so I've let him watch the whole of Return of the Jedi now for the first time oh, because I, I always skipped a few of the scenes. Yeah. Um, that I decided was sort of twelve plus, and he's still he's coming up to eleven. But yeah, so I let him watch the scene where he took off the helmet, and he's like, I can handle it. I won't have nightmares. I said, look, if you wake up tonight, scream for me, not for mummy. Yeah, I'll, I'll take it. Yeah. Mummy, you watch this. <laughs> yeah. Like it's, it's surprisingly quite... gruesome. That bit. Like yeah. I, I didn't he was remember quite in the misfits at him. Yeah. But yeah. So it's, um, it's good. Excellent. Right. So uh, hopefully we're still all on speaking terms next week, but we'll we'll see the fallout <laughs> after. My, uh, all all in love and horror. Yeah. Oh, well, no, absolutely. And and that's the thing I I do like. We um uh, we do kind of have that relationship where although we disagree quite a lot, because I do have friends who who do get funny if you don't like the same films. They're like not really funny. But they do get a little bit argumentative if they go, oh, this is really good. And I go, nah, shit. Or the other way around. Um, mm. Yeah, like, I, I like a lot of stuff that I know other people think is dog dirt. And it, it doesn't bother me. But some people do get quite quite touchy about it. But luckily, I know that, uh, yeah, that, that that isn't the relationship that we have, which is why we're all here. I was going to say, I don't think we'd be here what fucking... <laughs> 30 odd years yeah. <laughs> you know so, suddenly, have... suddenly it's just like well you should have heard what he said about the Goonies <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if anyone that would speak ill of the Goonies 
Um, but yes, so thanks so much for listening, everybody. Um, next episode is going to be our Christmas episode. It's coming out a few days before Christmas. Oh, okay. um, so we are going to be covering the original Black Christmas. Ooh. It arrived 19- in the post today. You because none uh, of us have seen it, so this is a, a, a full blown yeah. welcome to our role. Right, everybody, thanks ever so much for listening, and we'll see you next week. Good night. Bye. Bye. Bye.